actually hate this podcast. I think we should stop doing it. Ash and Zach are super smart. They went to college and learned a bunch of stuff. And Bo and Andrew didn't go to college because that's the way life goes sometimes. What happens when you put them together and you try to make them learn? Grab your friends. Let's listen together on Get Dumped On and Info Dump Podcast. Welcome to Get Dumped On, an Info Dump podcast. This is the podcast where four friends get together. One of the hosts dumps their special interest knowledge on the other three. Podcast about learning, about growing, about learning, and about learning, really. I can't argue with that. (laughs) Yeah. Today's episode will be hosted by Zach, and always we are joined here by Ash. Hello. Hello. Hello, Ash. How's your day? Oh, it's pretty good. Playing video games. Yeah. That good, huh? Okay. And then uh, we're also joined here by Bo. Hey, can you bring up like the energy up a little bit? Like you have like low energy right now. I'm still sick. I know, but I'm not like not hot feeling hype for this episode. Oh, sorry. Because okay, you're, you're bringing me let, down. Let me pull a Bo from the other day. Okay. Uh, welcome it, but I get jumped on it. The old, old, old prospect is here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know how it always turns an old prospect. Immediately, here, immediately prospector shows up. What's up? Hey, Bo's here. Say hi. I already did. Hey. Oh, hey, what's up? And now, Zach, take us away. This is, I believe, is a part two episode of the episode from last week about South America. No, no, asking about how my day is. That's kind of cool. Whatever. Bo, how's your day? Uh, too late now. Go ahead, Zach, take us away. Oh! Did Zach just explode? Zach, Zach that's your time to talk. <laughs> Sorry, I um, was um, pulling up my notes, uh, and I uh, lost, I have I have too many tabs open right now, which is just kind of my permanent state of being. Um, so I've got it up um, now, and I'm ready to go. Listen, buddy boy, the ums are there for flavor, okay? That's so that you know that I'm thinking. It's so that you know that uh, you have a little break uh, in between all of the sentences. They serve an important purpose, and every single one of them is deliberate. So that just goes to show you, Zach ums a lot because he thinks a lot, and Bo and I don't because there's nothing going on up there. Exactly. It, I couldn't explain it better. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> so this week's episode is a continuation of last week's episode because we were cut short a little by Bo having to leave and uh, starting late because of me doing my notes up until the very last second. Uh, but today, uh. I so we'll be we'll be we'll be covering the last portion of last week's episode, and I expanded it out a little bit more so that it can fill an entire episode. So this one will either be a little bit short, or it'll be the right length, or it might even be a little bit long. I don't know. I'm terrible at estimating how long the episodes will be based on how long my notes are. So we're just going to keep going until we're done. Um, <laughs> Zach, I don't think you could so do a short to recap podcast from last if week, you we talked about... If we tried. Like, if you actively tried, I'm not sure that that would happen. I love you. You're just a wealth of information and knowledge. Yeah, last week we oh, were trying thanks. to stop him, and he actively had, was not. We had to yell and stop him, like, Zach. Wrap it up. Well, yeah, and yeah. we kept going in this, and then, uh, yeah, and... Uh, I was wrapping it up, and you guys, I was just were not you, wrapping you it up. That was wrapping it up. You. Wow. I'm impressed. I'm also <laughs> mad at you for almost wasting my time. Wow. Just kidding. Every time I'm with you, I can't believe you think that I'm, I can't believe that you think this podcast is a waste of time. No, no, you, not the podcast. I said you. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, last week we had talked about um, two of my favorite sites in Peru, uh, which are Chavin de Huantar and the Huacas de Moche. And this week we will be talking about Machu Picchu. Uh, it's not 
uh, like like disclaimer. I, I feel like there's better sites than Machu Picchu, but it's just such a famous one that I would. Uh, I feel like it would be a really good, uh, good. It's a good topic for an episode. And hey, real quick though, um, Bo, could you give us a quick recap of last week? I kind of forgot what he went over. If you wouldn't mind. Oh, not not at all. Right, so. He just ha- kept having run-on sentences and just oh my god! And kept Bo, you're such a bitch. No, the information, the information. This is oh. really mean. You're such a bitch. Bo, the thing oh, about Bo is that he holds mean. a grudge even if he doesn't want to. He just is. He's forced to. Remember, remember when you cut me off, like when I was supposed to do the outro? Yeah. See, a couple episodes ago, I remember. I do apologize for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm very sorry. He so, texts me every night. He texts me at 3 a.m. I write a list down mm-hmm. and put it underneath my pillow. How you guys scorn me? And you kiss it every night I'm before you go to sleep. Sweaty. I'm a f- I'm a fucking pig. I remember all these, but I don't remember what Zach talked about last episode. Oh my god, oh, Jesus! <laughs> this is kind of like me. My I I have a really bad memory of my childhood until it comes to moments when I feel like I was wronged. Trauma. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, well, so. I don't remember what I was saying. Machu Picchu. I feel like there's better sites in Peru. I'm really inter- like, it's not, not a lot happened there, but it was really well built and it's in a really interesting location. It's got this air of mystery about it, which is why it's become such a, a famous site. Like if you think about Peru, you've heard of Machu Picchu. Like you guys, I assume you didn't, had not previously heard of the places that I talked about last week, but you've probably heard of Machu Picchu, right? Actually, the first time I ever hear about Machu Picchu, the other places, I have full knowledge of. That's why I let you talk most of the episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. Machu Picchu. Now, Machu Picchu was, obviously, it's famous for some reason. I can't tell you why, but I'm sure you're (laughs) going to tell us. But the, it was, was that like a recent discovery as in the last 50 years? It was discovered in the early 1900s, right, Zach? By Hiram Bingham. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Hiram Bingham. Ah. Um, We'll we'll talk a little bit briefly. I'm I'm briefly cover the the legacy of the Hiram Bingham situation, but also I forgot that it's 2023. I whenever I say the last 50 years, I mean from 1950 to 2000. I forgot how old I am. Do the same thing. 1970 was always 30 years ago, Uh, but it was discovered by Hiram Bingham in 1911. So it is relatively recent in the grand scheme of things, but still like over 100 years ago. Was he looking for it? Uh, no, it, but we'll be talking about it. He was looking for a, a place called Vilcabamba at the time. Um, and actually, he did find it, but nobody realized that he found Vilcabamba until like 50 years later because it was so overgrown. Um, but he found Failed Machu perception Picchu. perception check real hard. Or, yeah. Or more accurately, he was led to Machu Picchu, um, asking the locals if they could show him where Vilcabamba was. And they Wait, were, so he or, didn't even found it? The no, he didn't find it. it. We'll we'll talk about. I mean, that. they knew um, where it was and have to find it. Or I mean, we could just talk about it now. Um, but basically, when Hiram Bingham was looking for it, he, he when he he was going around looking for Vilcabamba, and uh, he was asking the locals to where they he could find like ruins in the jungle, and they led him there. And when he got there, there was farmers like working the the terraces. There were people like straight up living there. Um, and a, uh, a Peruvian explorer, um, whose name I forgot to write down, which seems like a really, uh, disgrace to this man's legacy. He actually found Machu Picchu of a five or six years earlier and wrote his name, uh, in, in like charcoal on a few of the blocks at the site. Um, but he drowned in a river shortly after, um, (laughs) uh, and so, uh, Hiram Bingham spent like two days 
erasing all of these charcoal marks that this previous explorer had made and other people throughout the pat like the previous couple hundred of years Um, wait for real because he wanted the glory yeah okay hold on if people actively live in the city that you found you did not find that city yeah it's just a city but did they call finders keepers pretty much he the first he did he he called finders keepers and it's his city all right, um, this is mine now. That's what the fuck is that? That's like, like, oh, I found this island. Uh, there's a huge population on it, and the people live here. But uh, this is mine now. I'm gonna name it after me. Like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Um, what we can give Heimer Bingham credit for and that's is on the f- racism. But what, what we can give him credit for is the first like scientific survey and study of Machu Picchu. Um, Augustine Augustine uh, Augustine Lizarraga was his name. Um, who he discovered Machu Picchu in 1902. I don't know why it was never uh, recorded, but then I don't think that he recognized that it was Machu Picchu, but he found it and then he drowned in a river. Oh, well, it was 10 years later. So I guess it's not connected. But uh, anyway. You already hear first Hiram drowned that guy. Yeah. So Hiram definitely drowned that guy. <laughs> it was like, this legacy is mine. He's like, hey, man, I also found it another place down by the river and he's like what so Hiram Bingham he basically he he cataloged everything he 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 mapped the site he did a systematic survey of it and um he set in wheels the motion that would lead to its restoration and like the you know a hundred years of study of the site so for that we can give him credit I don't think that it's it's not fair to call him the person who discovered it because it was I mean it was only really lost to Europeans and then he did proceed to take a bunch of the artifacts that were there and a bunch of skeletons and bring them to Yale University, where they were at the Peabody Museum for about 100 years before a lot of it was finally repatriated to Peru in 2011 or 2012. Although they still have a oh few they, they still have a few skeletons there at Yale that Peru was like, hey, can, can, can we have the skeletons back? That's kind of more important than the stuff. And Yale is like, yeah, we'll give them back to you when we're done. But they're never, here's spoiler alert, they're never going to be done. So, uh. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I never went to college. Right there. Aside yep, yep, from yep. stealing stuff away from people and, like, that whole aspect of it, which is obviously terrible. But when you remove all of the artifacts from their provenience, then you can't really study them as well. Because you just, exactly. like, disrupted. It's, it's frustrating on both hands. And... It's I do, that's a difficulty yeah. when you are an archaeologist is having to deal with the past of archaeology and how for the first hundred years of archaeology being a science, the main method was to take everything away from the site and then study it where you like where your university is and just like steal as much stuff as possible and bring it into a museum. Uh, when now in archaeology, it's a much more of a tradition of studying it where it is because you know that the context of where an artifact was found is 90% of how you can learn about what it was for or or what it like why it was there what who made it all of that stuff is best preserved where it was but it also means that you know in these early days of archaeology a lot of the information that they came up with is just not usable because of their terrible methods and because archaeology is inherently a destructive process you know, even just the process of digging things out. That's why we make sure to take as many notes as we do. It's just all constant note taking and photography taking of every single possible 
thing that you can think of down to yeah, measuring the layers down to the millimeters. Yeah, measuring layers down to the millimeter and even having sometimes it is having a standardized system for the color and type of soil. Um, there's a book called the Munsell soil chart, which has like a, a ton of color swatches that you can match the colors to of your soil so that even once so the people 50 years from now, what's the best one? Uh, 10YR52, of course. Of course, obviously. That was a trick question. Everyone knows it's 10, <laughs> yeah. 10, hey, 10YR52, obviously. 10YR52. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, way to go, Zach. That's yeah, the, that the first jumper chump, so you pass. Yeah. Good. Congratulations. I say, yeah, if it's, if it's not 10YR52, like, then what like, what's the fuck are we even doing, doing bro? <laughs> like, like, why? <laughs> That's why I say YR, like, why are we even doing this? You know what I'm saying? Oh, which, if you look it up, is apparently hexadecimal code 877967. So that's pretty cool. That was my know. second question. Do I stop stomping all over my dumps, man? <laughs> so a large part of my expansion of this, of this Machu Picchu topic for um, a full episode on its own is to spend a lot of time be- talking about the Incas themselves, because the story of Machu Picchu is effectively the story of the Incas. And I haven't really talked about Inca society or anything like that much I mean, you know, in the last episode, because... The Incas are kind of, they're basically the last dominant culture group in, uh, in Peru before the Spanish showed up and ruined everything. They were the, the you know, they were the hierarchy, the, the, they were not the hierarchy, the hegemony that was... Hegemony? Had cultural dominance over, over the region uh, when the Spanish showed up. And so they are the best documented cultural group that we have. You know, we know the most about them. Hey, Bo, real quick, uh, can you define hegemony for me? Yeah, it's when you do a Mexican dance, unite hegemony. You're him. You're hegemony. Hegemony is that's true. But for for realsies, the hegemony is just when one country or social group has domination over others. Yeah, like a dance, like with dance. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're dancing like dance. over other cultures. That's exactly yeah, yeah. what Bo said. Yeah. Yeah, you, you're dancing on their grave. Which is <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jesus. So the uh, the Incas, if you remember, we talked about the horizons uh, and intermediate systems. The she's Incas, everything you want, she's everything you need. Yeah, the Incas characterized the the late horizon. So the last horizon was that they they came after the late intermediate period, which was um, a period of balkanization um, that happened after the collapse of the Wari and Tiwanaku states at the end of the late horizon. And so basically in the late intermediate period, you see a lot of uh, cultures which were previously either connected to each other in some way or cooperating with each other at the very least, uh, retreating up to like hilltop fortresses. Um, you see a lot of increased uh, increases in warfare and a lot of separati- separati- separat- Jesus separatists, separate, Jesus Christ, separatism. They become very separate, and then um, they become very separate. <laughs> they become very separate. <laughs> They're so far apart. They're and separate. so, it's in this environment, <laughs> it's in this environment that the Inca cultural group kind of starts to begin its its development towards this expansionist bent that leads them to becoming the major empire. And the major thing that happens with this is or the major time that this happens is in 1438 uh when Pachacuti who is the ninth Inca ruler he I mean we could go into the Inca origin story but that would, I, I skipped that because it's a lot of time Pachacuti 
Um, Pachacuti, so pa- classic. Pachacuti. So Pacha, that's my fir- uh, that's my first son's name actually. So we can get out all of the um, cultural references that the emperor's new groove made. Pacha means earth in Quechua, the Inca, the Inca language. Cuscotopia. Cusco is the name of the Inca capital city. Um, Isma comes from the Ichma, who are a coastal group during the late intermediate period. Kronk doesn't come from anything, but we love him. Um, but he sounds like bonk, and that's funny. Yeah, it's yeah. funny fuck. And it implies that he's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Alex, who texted me after the last one and said that she was very upset that we didn't make any Emperor's New Groove references oh, when we were talking about Cusco. I will that into oblivion today. <laughs> yeah. Yay, but, I'm I mean, a llama again. Okay, keep going. And yeah, llamas were extremely important in Andean society. Could they talk to squirrels? A llama? He's supposed to be dead. It's, <laughs> I mean, I think you could probably talk to squirrels if you did enough uh, San Pedro cactus. Squeak, squeak. Oh my God, squeaker. so true. That's why I forgot we talked about getting high off cactuses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Speaking of that, Zach, did you talk about since then? I think you said that you were going to do that this weekend. Oh, yeah. No, I couldn't find any. I'm sorry. No, I, it's no, all I the government's gonna, fault. I, I, thought, I thought we were doing it at your wedding. Oh, yeah. We're going to do cactus at your wedding and record an episode while we're all rolling on San Pedro. Mm-hmm. Again, we're all just going to stand in a circle. Just be like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a jaguar. <laughs> uh, I'm God's chosen. Uh, pull the lever, Kronk. Pull the lever. So Pachacuti was the ninth Inca, um, and he defeated the Chanka, who were their kind of like ancestral enemy group. They had uh, surrounded Cusco, which was at that point uh, kind of a smaller settlement, and were basically sieging it. Um, and Pachacuti's father, who was the king or the emperor at the time, had taken his preferred son and retreated and left Pachacuti with the kind of doomed task of defending the city. Um, which was seen as like motherfucker (laughs) yeah pretty much but but as the legend goes he was able to convince even the stones themselves around the city to rise up in defense and they they crushed crushed the chanka crush them i get like that sounds cool but come on really like (laughs) (laughs) so he i don't know i heard that happen and then he basically usurped power from his father because he was like, I actually stayed here and now I have Bitch. the popular support because Bitch. I convinced even the stones. Bitch. Um, <laughs> and so he basically decided Fuck that you, it was dad. it was Look time for now, the <laughs> <laughs> Look at me now, Dad. There was now, like a whole, there was a minor civil war, but it was fine. Um then he decided that now it was time for the Incas to start expanding and uh, did this kind of under the the ideology that he wanted to expand the worship of Inti, who is the sun god, um, and also bringing order to a chaotic world. Um, mm. I can see why you would worship the sun. If, if y'all had to choose between worshiping the sun and the moon, what would you want to choose? Did we talk moon. about this last time? Moon. No, we didn't. Moon, moon all the way, though. Moon, yeah. I would choose moon, sun. too. It's hot. The moon is just <laughs> yeah, like the, it's, it's, the moon's more chill. Yeah, it's exactly like you yeah. want to chill with your you got to chill with your friends. And you look up and see a sun there. No, it's too hot. It's gross. It's speaking. And it's like, like a get, the sun brings life. Like the sun is warm. Yeah, it lets us yeah, live. The it grows. So grow. cool. It's like but the difference between an actor and a writer. Like you want to hang out with a writer? <laughs> no, they're weird. You want to hang out with an actor, like the one who makes I everything cooler. Would mm-hmm. rather hang out with a writer than an actor. I think. I feel like a writer would have a lot to say. Yeah, actors just and say other people's words. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. <laughs> like you get paid more than them and you use their stuff. That's amazing. <laughs> Tell me more about that. <laughs> well, at least they're striking in solidarity with each other now. Um, yeah. So I Pachacuti... heard the rocks are, are rising up with them too. Back to the rock. <laughs> the rock is them. there? 
<laughs> I mean, he's an actor, so. Yeah. So Pachacuti brought the conquered rulers from the area to Cusco and started off his conquest by bringing them to Cusco, laying them down on the ground, walking over their heads to show his dominance, and then cutting said heads off. So that's Damn. pretty tight. All right. I'm going to do that's it. Pretty hardcore. Um, so, Dumper Chump, what does Pachacuti mean? We've talked about the Pacha, but what about the Cuti? Pacha means earth, right? Yes. So is it A, earth shaker, because he shook the earth and reshaped the way of the world? Is it B, earth pussy, like a cave, because he was born in a cave? The theoretic Iussi. Or is it earth dancer, because he could cut a rug like nobody's fucking business during rituals? I'm sorry. You say earth pussy? He like, said, yeah, he said earth pussy. Do you pussy. mean earth cave or do you mean earth pussy? I mean, what is a cave but the Earth's pussy? pussy. Uh, You did not answer the question. (laughs) I think it's metaphorical. We know how much you hate metaphors, Andrew. Is it cave or pussy? Because that's going to change my answer. And you really just emphasize pussy. Like, you really wanted to say it. It Really, there was some stank behind that. It it felt gross coming out. It it felt weird to say. I wrote it down in my notes, and it's just like one of those things where you can write it down, but it it feels bad to say. I don't like having said that. And, like, the way that that it came out of my face. You still not answered the question. (laughs) It's a metaphorical cave. Metaphorical cave? Yeah. But also, he was. The, the the Inca origin story involves them being born in three, uh, emerging from three caves. Is one of them a, uh, excuse me. <laughs> Andrew, I'm concerned that you don't understand metaphors. I, you know what, sometimes. Because we have this conversation a lot. So, if, you percep- okay. if you perceptualize the earth as a person, what is a cave but an orifice? A and what hole. is an orifice? But just, you just immediately a, go to pussy. I have ear a holes. Va- a vagina. I have a butthole. At this point, I'm feeling like cutting it short without giving you the chance to answer. I have just telling mosquito you what the real holes answer is. all over my legs right now. <laughs> because this conversation is going too long and it's starting to make me uncomfortable. I'm very, and I, I just, Andrew, yeah. I'm concerned at how you don't understand the metaphor. I understand the metaphor. It's just, <laughs> is it more of a cave or more of a pussy? That's oh what my God, Andrew. In the metaphor, the two are one. That's what makes it oh a metaphor. Oh my God. Uh, dancer. <laughs> yeah, dude can fucking dance. <laughs> hey, Bo, what do you think? I can't talk right now. <laughs> I'm dying over here. I got hiccups. My chest hurts. I'm choking on drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in pain right now. <laughs> he's, you know, he's, he's, his mouth. My, my, my answer is pussy. <laughs> his, his, his mouth pussy, in metaphor, more metaphorically speaking, is having he an convinced- issue. The stones to fight for him. That man's is an earth shaker. But that was after, though. That was after he was born. So Pachacuti was not his birth name. Oh, my, well, if I would have known that. Well, I mean, all of these things are kind of related to activities that would have happened during his life. Like the if dancing. you can hear the sounds coming from my end, good thing I muted the mic. It's off right now. Oh, please I'm don't dying. the mic. <laughs> this is Bo's last episode. Here. He's having a heart attack. <laughs> I'm choking, and then I burp after my choke. Are you <laughs> choking because of, because of like, it. you're laughing at, like... No, I... I, You're just I, bad at drinking. I just forgot how to drink water. And it, it's, it's killing me. Kill me, please. Just take some oh. deep breaths, Bo. I can't. I'm regretting this entire, this the entire tangent. I'm regretting Out this entire tangent. Zach are super, <laughs> super smart. smart. And Bo died <laughs> and Andrew still didn't go to college. It's the last episode ever. Okay, I think we're good. I think we moved past it. Or in the eye of the storm. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, right. it was... It was the Earth Shaker. Pachacuti means Earth Shaker. Wow, See, so I was, just made up I that pussy like, thing. Wow. Well, yeah, I was doing like a cootie because like cootie sounds like coochie. 
You know, that's what I, that's what I thought when you type. I was going to say something, but it's like Earth Coochie. Um, <laughs> oh, so you just made Zach feel bad for three minutes when you no, were thinking it from the beginning. No, no, I thought I was going to shout out an answer like that. I wasn't making, first of all, Andrew did. I was making fun of the way he kept saying. Oh, I forgot that Bo was dying. I, I was making fun of the way he kept saying. Pussy. Oh, my God. <laughs> I actually hate this podcast. I think we should stop doing it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I wasn't expecting it to make me as comfortable as it did when I actually said it, but that happens to me all the time. I say things that sound perfectly fine in my head, and then as soon as they come out of my head, my face, I'm like, ugh, why did I say that? Anyway, the Incas conquered most of the 80s. Pussy. Over the next- it was going to be weird. <laughs> and you didn't think, like, when you said pussy, that me and Andrew weren't going to jump on that? Oh, my God. <laughs> the problem is that now I'm <laughs> thinking just- about people listening to me say pussy like that. And I'm like, oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Oh my God. People know just- me, they're going to hear me say this word. <laughs> <laughs> so I hadn't thought about that when leave. I was writing it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um... I know that we'll never be able to move forward from this, but let's just try. Over the next <laughs> over the next 80 years, the Incas conquered most of the Andes, eventually having an empire that stretched from Chile to Ecuador, which covered about 2 million square kilometers, which is 772,000 square miles, and 10 million people. So they called the emperor the empire Tehuantinsuyu. Uh, which is the quartet of Suyus, uh, and a region is a Suyu. So they they broke it up into four different regions. And um, the lingua franca of the region, the which was kind of like the, the language of the Incas that they used for their court and uh, you know for all the political stuff and made everybody learn how to speak, was Quechua. And fun story about Quechua is that in um, the Star Wars movies, pretty much in the in the early Star Wars movies, and I think it's it's still continuing today, is that every every alien language is just an Earth language, but like chopped and screwed a little bit, like very minorly um, modified. And uh, Huttis, is particularly the brand of Huttis that Greedo is speaking in the Mos Eisley Cantina in the first one, is basically just Quechua. And there's a part where uh, he. Uh, tells Han Solo that he has big starry eyes, uh, which is very funny uh, in Quechua. Uh, also, when he pulls out his gun, he goes pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and then he shoots him first, obviously. Yeah, yeah. shot obviously. first, he goes, no, never mind. I'm going to let it die. <laughs> <laughs> and it's or, uh, or worth noting. Uh, please do. Please do. I, this is really just making me ashamed. Hey, don't like, tell me what to do, because now, now I'm going to do it harder. I'm going to stop advertising the podcast on my own like personal <laughs> stuff, because I don't want people to hear me say that. Uh, I, yeah, you're, this is you. That's a you thing. I know. I'm going to advertise it so hard. I'll, oh, I'll advertise Jesus it Christ. to all your friends. I'll find all your followers. I can see them. Yeah, yeah, no, DM, at this point, DM all your friends. <laughs> hey, no. Listen to Zach. Say, <laughs> pussy. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh, I hate Ash, are you, are you still here, Ash? <laughs> I feel like Ash is going for a walk. <laughs> Ash is like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go take a she, fiver, guys. She, she grabbed the cat. She went to bed. She's like, come on, Barnaby, we're going. <laughs> oh my god, Ash is dead. Oh my god, oh my god, Ash is dead. Oh, sorry, I was laying down with Barnaby. I don't want to be <laughs> juveniles anymore. That's a lie. Barnaby is right in front of me, sleeping like an angel in this bed. Now, it's also worth noting at this point that the Incas didn't refer to themselves as Incas. Um, Inca was just the word for the ruler. Um, he was specifically the Sapa Inca, um, and the people themselves called themselves the Runa, uh, which means people in Quechua. 
Um, and then the empire itself was called Tawantan Suyu. Um, so they had a really interesting worldview that involved a dualism, like we talked about in the last episode. Um, and uh, this cool conception of death as just kind of being another form of life. Um, and so it was common for the rulers and other important people to be mummified after death by having their guts taken out and burned. And then the bodies were brought up into the mountains to be freeze dried in the cold. Then they were brought back to Cusco, where the royal mummies would be put into the Coricancha, which was the temple of the sun and the moon, hence the duality sun and moon. And so part of the temple was coded. Uh, they kept covered. that going, huh? Yep. It's, it, yeah, this dualism is like one of the longest running cultural threads in the Andes that we can see. And Wait, so, so they brought them up to the mountains to freeze them and then they brought them back down? Yeah. Because once they were freeze, once they were frozen, they were, uh, they were you know, pretty well preserved. Because uh, they were but like freeze. they unfreeze. No, because it's not like it's not like they're frozen. It's like freeze dried, uh, like like astronaut ice cream. You know, it's it, they became it, shelf stable. They became shelf stable exactly, and so they bring them back to the Coricancha, which was this really cool stone temple that was plated with gold and uh, gold being the sweat of the sun and silver being the tears of the moon, and where the Incas would gold keep their is own. the sweat of the sun. Wow. Yeah, hardcore. And silver are the tears of the moon. I'm sad uh -huh. that the moon has to cry, but Which, uh, okay. If you guys could stop making comparisons to human body stuff before this gets out of control. There's it's there's this um there's this belief of the entire world by, as by the Incas. The mud the is the poop world. of the the earth. <laughs> it's the the, the 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 world is an animate figure um to the Incas. Like the the mountains were alive. Every it, there was a sort oh of Oh my god. Was, the <laughs> with the sound of yeah it's just that's where that flutes. came from and the the conscious where they would keep the religious stuff like the their own religious items and um also religious items from people that they conquered there so the descendants of the mummies would take care of them they would eat food like vicariously for them they would uh speak vicariously for them and they would also like pee vicariously for them or, and like do all what it would basically there'd be people who are descendants <laughs> of the mummies who would basically like be their connection to our state of life and huh. they like did all the stuff for the mummies and so it was pretty common for there to just be mummies around all the time they would bring them to they would bring them to rituals and all the important state events they would sit in during like council meetings and and sometimes they would just like stage like lunches between the two mummies and be what? like, they're, they're hashing things out what because the to their belief, like you, when you die, you didn't stop being alive. You just went to a different Bruh, form like, they of put that them in life. Council meetings. They're like, all right, do you <laughs> like, I like somebody's behind it, like holding its fucking mummy arm up. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> it's fucking weekend at Bernie's all the time there. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I mean, if you conceptualize it like that, holy shit. Uh, it was pretty cool. So they put two mummies together, and made them fight at a table. Like they're no, not things fight. Out. They had lunch together. Oh my god! Well, like so, this mummy was hanging out with another mummy, and they found out about it. So now they had to talk about it. So we're gonna leave them alone and make them have lunch <laughs> together. They're not touching their food. I don't know why they're so mad. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, well, I should have known that Andrew kind of would have a hard time conceptualizing so Inca way of life because of it's his trouble so with funny. metaphor. I'm yeah. loving this so much. It's so funny. Like you haven't touched your 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 your, your soup, I'm Grandpa. So What's wrong with you? 
it's just one of those things suit, where Andrew, someone yeah. else is handling well, that for him. He's on a different plane of existence now. Like, mm, yeah. I'm grandpa today. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're like, I'm grandpa every single day because I'm grandpa's oh spiritual. I'm, and we are connected in that way. That, yeah. Like for evil though. They're like, what do you want to do today? Grandpa more drugs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you want to think about it really disingenuously, you know, someone did that. <laughs> I mean, I imagine that in council meetings and stuff, people were setting forth their opinion and backing it up with the fact that they were connected to this person. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because that's like how it works. <laughs> They're like, every, every, every drug should be free. Why? The mummy said so. Like, well, it makes sense to me. <laughs> that's really funny. I love that. I love this. Is my favorite part. When you ask me at the end, it's going to be this. To get back on track, I'm going to talk a little bit about the technological advancements of the Inca and the way that their kind of administration worked. Um, so which of these is something that the Incas had, a.k.a. they did not have the other things? So I'm going to give you three things. Did they have currency? Did they have wheels? Or did they have a postal system? Um, and yes, saying that they had one of these things means that they did not have the other two things. They did not have the other two. Ash, do you know this? I think I do know. I will, I'm going to go with the one that I least expect, the postal system. See, I'm going to go with the opposite, wheels. Yeah. All right. So the answer is that they had a postal system, but they did hey. not have currency or wheels. Look at that. Nailed it. So they managed to create and maintain a 2 million square kilometer, 10 million person empire. Holy shit. Without the use of wheels or currency. Wow. Um. So there was pretty much... I, you mean, you never hear of Inca coins, you know? Mm-hmm. So... They, they had... Because they didn't exist? There were these, like, bronze knives that were commonly used as a bartering tool, but they weren't currency, so to speak. And wheels are pretty much entirely unknown in the New World in general, like in the Americas. Um, even up in Mexico, the only wheels that have been found were uh, on toys um, that were, like these little like animal figurines on wheels that were pulled along with ropes that were like toys for little kids. But there's no um, examples of um, wheels being used on like a cart. And the main reason for that is because there's no animals that can be domesticated and like made to pull a cart. Like the reason why they developed wheels in like Mesopotamia is because they had oxen or uh, aurochs that they could hook up on a yoke and have them pull a trailer or whatever. But if you've ever tried, um, and I don't recommend you do try, to hook a wagon up to a llama, um, they will not be very receptive. Um, and the, the, the landscape of the Andes, like we talked about, it's so mountainous and rugged that the wheels will just bog you down more than anything else. And so what they did was they, they had put together and they built it a little bit on the backbone of roads that had already been made by the Wari Empire. Um, like 500 years earlier. And then they expanded this out into what's called the Capacnan, which was the Royal Inca Road, which is like 14,000 miles of road um, that was made out of stone. And they were pedestrian paths and they encompassed pretty much the entire um, empire. And so they had a series of sentry posts along the roads that allowed for a relay system of runners who were called Chasqui. And they would deliver messages. And you could get a message from Cusco to Quito, um, which are which Cusco is kind of right in the center and Quito is all the way in Northern Ecuador. Um, yeah, you could get a message from one to the other in about a week, uh, which is wow. 12, 1250 miles along a mountain range. Wow. Um, it would basically enemy be like territory. <laughs> <laughs> Call back previous episode. It would be like one runner 
who would then run to a sentry point as fast as they could or run to a, a, a relay post, give the message to the next runner who would then run as fast as they could to the relay point, who would then give it to another runner who'd run as fast as... So basically, it's the equivalent of, I mean, one person can't sprint 1,250 miles, but if you break it up among 100 runners, you can just sprint the whole distance, basically. Yo, that's yeah. kind of nuts, especially since there was no money and they were not being paid. Yeah, exactly. So it was this um, system of reciprocity that they used, and um, it's which is essentially you you scratch my back, I scratch yours, and it was uh, effectively just a solidified and formalized kind of you know system of favors, if you want to break it down that way. A resource-based economy. And so they had, uh, in addition to that, they had hospitals and baths fed by underground canals and, yeah, buildings covered in gold and stuff like that. The Inca conquests was, uh, were mostly done peacefully uh, at first. They didn't really resort to militarism of that unless, there was like, unless they um, resisted. And so, effectively, they just tried to bring enough benefits to people that they saw joining the Inca empire as, uh, you know, something that they wanted to do. And so they would give people who joined the empire like regular deliveries of luxury goods and redistribution of food along the empire. Um, they would have military protection against, uh, you know, whenever they needed it and enter entry into this reciprocity network. Then um, you, you, you were taxed, but began because they didn't have currency. Taxes weren't like a financial tax. Instead, it was taxed in the form of labor. Um, so you had to do labor for the state for, I think it was three or four months, two or three months a year. Jesus. Um, that sounds like so, jury duty. Yeah, yeah, but hardcore jury duty. And so like you would be able to spend most of the year doing whatever you needed to do for your community. But then there was a period of time every year where you would have to do your state-sanctioned like labor. And sometimes this would be like, you know, if you were a metal worker, you would be making metal goods and, you know, you'd be making bronze spear points or gold, you know, gold idols and ornaments or stuff like that that would go back to the, the emperor. Um, if you were a farmer, you would, you know, you would uh, go farm in like the public farms. But most of it, like the most famous or like the most well-documented version of this was... Um, the able-bodied men would have to work on public infrastructure projects. And this is how most of the road was built. This was how a lot of the like palaces and local like regional governing centers were built. Um, and like the baths and the roads and all this other stuff, like the storehouses, this was all built through, it was called Mita labor. Were they nice to them? Yeah. I mean, there was the, unless you, uh, (laughs) you hear about like, like slave labor, in the past of this stuff, like Egypt and, you know, obviously they were not treating these people nicely. And they're, but you were, when it's state sanctioned mm-hmm. stuff, I would hope they'd be like, come on in. Hey, let's build us a palace. Here's some water. Like something. Yeah. I mean, you were given all the food and water that you needed, but ultimately you weren't allowed to say, Hey, I can't do this. <laughs> you know, you had to provide your, you had to provide your tax to the empire in some way or another. What if you, what if you couldn't do it? Um, so then you would be punished. Uh, and generally speaking, this would be kind of the entire town would be punished. What? And, um, I'll go into that for a second, but, um, so concerns about whether or not this labor was, uh, 
fully willing notwithstanding there's been a lot of debate in like recent stuff over whether this would be considered a slavery system um that i feel like we can't really can't don't have the time to go into detail on but all of the evidence does point oh, towards you don't there have being the time well i'm shocked that you don't want to i mean talking. with all this other stuff that i have going on <laughs> we could do this could be a three-part series dog yeah dog <laughs> yeah dog this was, uh, this was a system that led to overproduction, and a lot of Inca storehouses were always overflowing with uh, stored food, luxury goods. There was, from my understanding, not a lot of poverty or food insecurity going on. There was always... That sounds horrible. But at least you probably weren't going to starve to death. That was a joke I said. <laughs> so like the luxury gifts, it was like feather cloaks and gold, gold ornaments and really nice like vicuña wool tunics and stuff like that that would be given as gifts to smooth over conquest or to barter or um smooth over like conquest hey sorry we took over your land here's a really nice tunic and some other here's nice stuff coat. so we could just well we really appreciate you joining that. our empire so here's a tunic so what would they do if what would they do if a group was unruly so um, which of these stories is not true? So here's a two dumps and one chump. A, they would forcibly redistribute entire groups permanently um, and then replace them locally with loyal uh, people. Uh, B, they would bring the children of local governors to Cusco to learn how the Incas did stuff and then bring them back home to take over rule and be familiar to the locals but uh, impose the Inca style of ruling. Or they would sneak drugs into the food sources of places they were trying to conquer to make drugs, them more suggestible. Drugs, drugs, drugs. Always drugs. That's Always the drugs. There's drugs. Hey, give me some drugs. <laughs> I think drugs. I want drugs. the incorrect one. Yeah, the drugs is the incorrect one. There's no evidence that they did that. But there is right. a story. But there is a story I about a group of people on the coast. That it's drugs. So. There is a story about a group, a group of people on the coast who heard that the Incas were coming in on like a conquest train. And they were like, well, this is terrible. We're going to give up. And so they just had a really big party and they got super hammered on corn beer and did a bunch of hallucinogens. And then the Inca rolled in and everyone was just too fucked up to resist. And they were like, hey, this is ours now. And that was kind of how it ended. <laughs> You're going to go out? You're going to go out with a bang. Mm -hmm. Now, like I said, because the Incas were the ones in charge when the Spanish showed up, they're the ones that we know the most about. The conquistadors who were, le were led by Francisco Pizarro, they were mostly just inter interested in taking as much gold as they could. Um, subjugating the people to, you know, do labor for them and plundering everything that they could. But some of them were also interested in what Inca religion and culture was like. Now, this was mostly just so that they could figure out how to more easily convert them all to Catholicism. But they did end up writing books on what they were like, what the belief system was, how they ran things and that sort of stuff. And this is all things that you have to take with a grain of salt, because usually this was like, this is what the savages do. And this is how savage they are. And this is why they're all stupid. And they're a bunch of devil worshipers. So you got to filter through that stuff to figure out the actual like truth there. There's also another guy um, who wrote, he was a mestizo. So his, his uh, parents were... I don't remember which one was which, but one of his parents was an Inca noble and the other one was a Spanish. Probably his father was the Spanish guy. Um, but so in 1615, he finished a letter um, to the Spanish king. That was half a history of the Incas and half a letter about how terrible the Spanish local rulers were being uh, to all of the natives and please make them stop. 
And sadly, the letter never made it to the king, but it was found 300 years later um, and is like one of the best sources on what things were like. It's really beautifully illustrated, which is nice, too. So that's kind of cool. But it then it's also a little incomplete because it wasn't written until like 70 years after the Inca Empire was conquered. And now this is finally when I get to uh, Machu Picchu and why it's cool. So what do you know about Machu Picchu? What was it? What do you think it was? Do you think it was a fortress? Do you think it was an imperial retreat? Or do you think it was a big mausoleum? I thought it was like farming. So it was one of these three I thought options. It was, I thought it was a big mountain full of caves. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, a, it was an imperial retreat. It was, like a re- it was basically like a resort for the emperor. It was Cuscotopia. It was Cuscotopia. Cuscotopia. Exactly. So it was, uh, was there water it, slides? Well, there were canals Where leading did from a spring. <laughs> Patches all over. He's the earth. Are you allowed to swim in the canals or? Well, no, they were for delivering drinking water. For drinking water? Yeah, okay. There's probably um, signs everywhere that's like, don't swim in these, please. And then people <laughs> do anyway. Put, put it's your a whole mummies thing. elsewhere. I don't care what your mummy wants or what the mummy handler says. Don't put it in this. <laughs> so Machu Picchu was a imperial retreat, like a resort of sorts, which was... Um, Built at the top of a hill in the middle of uh, a very nice forested area and uh, kind of humid. It's a little bit lower than Cusco um, in terms of uh, altitude. Uh, it's actually like it, it's it looks in the pictures like it's really high uh, in altitude, but it's actually one of the lower Inca sites as far as uh, meters above sea level goes. What the hell? Then how they lose it? Because it's in the middle of the jungle. Carry on. And so it's about three days walk from Cusco. Um, and at the top of a hill, um, it's in a warm, fertile area. And there's hot springs a little bit further down the... There's hot springs a little further down the, the mountain. And above, the, above uh, Machu Picchu, there is a drinking water spring that they funnel down to the actual site with a series of canals. Hmm. And because it's in a really lush area and on the top of a hill, it's well concealed and private. Um, so carbon dating. That sounds that pretty was, nice. I would, yeah. I would like to go to, on a vacation there. It would, it's nice. I've been there twice and it's, it's very good. Uh, it's a very beautiful place. Place so nice. Zach's been there twice. Hey. I went there once with my mom and then another time when I was TAing a dig, I was, I supervised, chaperoned a group of students who wanted to Oh my gosh. You went with your mom, and then you were mom. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> He's gone. I was the one who was like, "Does everyone have their? Does everyone have their suitcases? Did you remember to bring a towel? Brush your bring teeth water. Now, Make sure everybody honey. has water now. Mm-hmm. Put on your sunscreen. Hey, lights out at eight o'clock. All right. Apparently, you're from. <laughs> now everybody Island. hold hands. Everybody <laughs> has a buddy. Everybody hold hands with their buddy. Yeah. The body system never fails, all right? So hold Make your sure you call hands. your father. What is this voice? <laughs> <laughs> when you land, don't forget to call your parents. They really want to make sure you got there safely, all right? I don't, it's just like, I? <laughs> what? Just let it go. Let it go. You, you know how moms talk. I? Oh, I. now you want someone to let it go. You guys, oh, I'll bring it back. Um, you guys just never met my mom, that's all. Hopefully we can rectify that. If she doesn't say I at least (laughs) once, I'm going to be so disappointed. All right, I bring my mom to your wedding, Andrew. She's like, hey, I'm Bo's mom. I? I? (laughs) Sorry, my household was different than your guys'. Sorry. Look at Shane me. All right, all right, whatever. I? (laughs) What were we talking about? 
Moms. <laughs> we were talking about Machu Picchu. Carbon dating that was published in 2021 indicates that it was used from about 1420 to 1530, and construction lines up with the rule of Pachacuti, um, and probably his successor, Tupac Inca Yupanqui. Uh, this is an important time to notice. That, to his note name was that Tupac? Tupac was named after an Inca. Uh, there were several Incas named Tupac, and Tupac's mother named him after, Tupac Shakur's mother named him after that's fucking cool. Yeah, the Incas. Was particularly, there was one who was leading like a So he didn't splinter. die. He just went back to Machu Picchu. Yeah. Has anyone looked there? He's just chilling People there. Go there, there the People, People go there all the time. People go there all the time. I feel like they would see him if he was there. Yeah, he was named after Tupac Amaru, who was the last Inca leader who kind of ran this like neo-empire splinter group that was trying to revolt against the Spanish and was uh, captured and executed in the 1570s. Oh, mm. he almost did it. Yeah, he almost did it. Um, so it had space for about 750 people at Machu Picchu. Um, and so when the emperor came to visit, it would have been like full up with all 750 people. But more, uh, it probably had around 300 people living there year round to like maintain the space and make sure that there was plenty of food and all that stuff. Um, there have been skeletons found at Machu Picchu. And um, earlier this year... Uh, DNA testing of the bones came out um, and indicates that they're immigrants from all over the empire. So they were probably like doing their um, their Mita labor as like retainers of the site. Um, and it's worth but they had fewer they had less arthritis and less bone damage than like the average uh, people in the population. So they probably weren't like the people who were building the site, just the people who were like living there and maintaining things until well, they died for whatever reason. Cause people just die for no reason all the time. What is going on in your background? Guess. <laughs> is it Barnaby? It's fucking Barnaby, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. The criminal. Uh, the, the good boy, the good time boy. He's such yeah. a good boy. <laughs> He's such a good boy. He was yelling yeah, about this is something somewhere. Three episodes in a row now <laughs> where Barnaby has done something. <laughs> The only person who needs convincing are his parents. Like everyone to, else knows what's going on. I was trying to zone you out because I was like, what is fuck is going on back there? And of course it's fucking Barnaby. Fuck, of course <laughs> it is. He's just yelling about something. You know how cats do. It's not a crime. Talking is not a crime. We're doing it yeah. right now. He doesn't know what we're doing. He's just like, yeah, everyone's talking. I'm going to talk too. So they, their bones were in better condition than the average person. Um, so they're probably I can support say staff. with absolute certainty that I'd rather maintain the grounds of Machu Picchu than build a road. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, they probably didn't do any human sacrifice there, but there was a temple where they did liquid and food they, they sacrifices. They wanted to, you know? Uh, it was common because, like I was talking about, the world is seen as like an animate thing. Um, specifically a feminine animate, animate thing. Um, Pachamama is kind of like the personification of the, the earth. And so a common way of doing mama? is that I? she's the size <laughs> she's of the, of the earth. Hey. Um, a common way of doing sacrifices would be to burn food or pour out like alcohol. Um, Pachamama likes homies, sugar yeah. and alcohol. For Pachamama. Um, for Pachamama. And then they would also um, sacrifice hey, guinea pacha. pigs. There's like this thing where they would hey. like cut it like what they would like read the guts of guinea pigs as kind of like a divination like guinea pigs are things. food but yeah, guinea pigs i are food. need you both to know that guinea pigs were originally domesticated in the andes as a food source 
um, because they reproduce quickly and they grow up fast. So they're Makes like sense. a really good food source. Plus um, you can stick them on a stick real easily. Swoop. Yeah, oh, exactly. Good kebabs. Guinea pig kebab? Yeah. Hey. I've had guinea pig kebab. It's great. It's, yeah, it's called kui. It's really tasty. The only problem is that there's too many bones. It's like rabbit. Yeah, so they found guinea pig and llama skeletons and I think six dogs. But the dogs weren't sacrificed. They were probably, um, well, I mean, they were, they were sacrificed, but as like spiritual guardians and companions for the, uh, the people who died there. Um, it was it's kind of a common thing that the dogs were, I mean, the dogs were companions. They, they were, these Inca dogs are like bald, kind of like the Mexican dogs, but they're actually like genetically, the genetic lineages are distinct. They just both happen to be bald. Um, and they were, they're typically buried at uh, a lot of these sites and even like today they keep populations of these dogs uh, at most of the archaeological sites because they're seen as like they're they're companions for the dead which is that's so we've talked about that multiple times throughout different places in the world so common that dogs are protectors and guardians of like the dead or between the living and the dead and also bones and rubber balls yeah um machu picchu (laughs) has lots of buildings bones it all makes sense (laughs) So, question: Did they do the whole mummification thing of the dogs too? And then they would have somebody see. like carry one around, and be like, ruff, ruff, ruff. "I don't think so." <laughs> it must have been probably special for for humans. I'm not sure. Okay. I don't know enough about the situation to say one way or another. So, not no, but also not yes. This is in. I'm not sure, <laughs> and I don't want to be permanently audio recorded saying something wrong. Pussy. Oh, sorry. Uh- <laughs> Puffy. Yeah. That's gross. <laughs> you gotta lisp it. Puffy. <laughs> so uh Machu Picchu has a lot of buildings. Um there's a lot of residential buildings, but there's also many ceremonial and ritual buildings, and so there's a big plaza right in the middle. Um the ceremonial and ritual buildings are mostly done in this classic Inca style, which involves really big stones that are cut in odd shapes and fitted together really tightly without cement or mortar. And a lot of people look at these, uh, look at this masonry and they think that's impossible. Nobody could have done that before metal tools. This was clearly the proof that either the Incas had metal tools and the archaeologists are lying to us, or there's aliens involved or any number of things that are much more complicated and annoying situ- explanations than they were really good at masonry. I couldn't do that without power tools. So there's no way they could have done it without power tools. Yeah. It Makes turns out that me. river mm-hmm. river stones are harder than granite. And so they were able to use these big river stones as hammer stones to knock apart the granite. Um, and the bedrock that Machu Picchu cool. and most of most of the Inca Empire is built at, is, you know, on top of is very fractured because of the way that it is. Um, and so it's easy to relatively easy to get these big chunks out and then to just like kind of, um, simplify the shapes. And so they would, they would knock them apart into the, the shapes that would go together down at the quarry. There's a quarry right at the edge of the mountain. Um, and so a lot of Inca sites were built with rocks from far away and the, the, even like Tiwanaku was built with rocks from far away and the Andes are kind of covered in these, in what they call tired stones which are rocks that were in the process of being moved that just got stuck for some and, reason or another. And very sleepy. Very sleepy. Like, so got so sleepy. sleepy. Got so sleepy. Take a little rest. He's a sleepy little guy. Um, and some have been tested with like spectroscopy to confirm that they're from really far away um, to match sources from like the opposite side of the empire. Um, 
there was one story that I, I read about where um, one particularly rowdy group was punished by the Empire by forcing them to move a house from Cusco to Quito, um, which we already said was 1,200 miles. And so they what? had to move a house brick, like giant stone by giant stone. Um, and <laughs> the stones got stuck before they could make it there. And like the locals refer to these as like these tired, sleepy stones. Um, and spectroscopy <laughs> has like spectroscopy. Yeah, spectroscopy of the stones has matched them to sources outside Cusco. Um, so, like, the legend is true. Wow. Wow. They were really good at moving rocks because moving rocks is really important. And they probably did a system where they would put them onto these wooden sleds and then move them up ramps um, on, like, rolling logs. Um, and so Machu Picchu's quarry was right on site, but they still had to move it up to the hilltop. Um, and, like, some of these rocks are, like, gigantic, like 12-ton rocks. But we know that they did it because it's there. Um, so just because we couldn't immediately figure out how they did it, it doesn't mean that they didn't do it. And the most so simplest explanation. you y- no or yes. <laughs> no, I'm saying that they did it without outside influence because there's no reason to believe that they had outside influence. And clearly they mm-hmm. did it because it's been done. Interesting. Interesting. And we really can't, there's no reason to, to underestimate the limits of human ingenuity. They had hydraulic engineering um, to bring water to the site, which uh, they used waste stone from the quarries to line canals. Um, and they directed water down from a spring located on the adjacent mountain uh, to the north, which is still largely functional today. Uh, feeds water to pools oh. and fountains for the people living there. And then from there, it directs, them, uh, it directs the water to the farming terraces and then drains off the excess water so that the site doesn't get swamped when it's raining. Smart, smart. So the water went Love to it. drinking, and then the excess to irrigation, and then drained away. The, the terraces are these really classic Andean-style terraces, which is another one of these things that have been you know, a really ancient cultural development. And so you have these really steep slopes. You can't farm on steep slopes. And so they basically cut it up into steps with these terraces that are bolstered by stone. I was... Uh, I was gesturing with my hand and I knocked something off of my desk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, And so they were also really well engineered (laughs) that they have this like (laughs) thick gravel at the bottom and then a layer of like coarser gravel and sand and then a layer of dirt for like ideal uh, soil water retention. Um, Really cool stuff. and f- from there, they were able to, they weren't there. There's like multiple, like 12 acres, I think, of terraces, which is actually not enough to grow food for like 700 people. So they were probably also importing food or like the empire, the emperor's retainers would bring food with them when they came to visit. Um, there's a really neat temple of the sun there um, and the Intiwatana stone, which is a stone that uh, is... Um, shaped to mimic the shape of the mountains that you see behind it so you like you look at the stone and it like covers up the mountain behind it which is pretty cool because it's like the same shape um and it was probably also like an astronomic calendar because they were really good at reading the stars and stuff oh my gosh that's one thing that i wish i could see so bad all of the stars back in the day before there was lights around yeah and you couldn't like the, the stars teach you math i guess and that's wild. Like, I just want to see that, you know? Yeah. The, you, the, some of the ancient aliens people are like always really seem to be really surprised that like ancient people had a really good understanding of astronomy. But like 
the stars must have been amazing at night before there was like electric light polluting everything. And again, what do you have to do at night besides look up at the stars and be, and there undoubtedly were people who really wanted to systematize and figure out what the deal with the stars was just like there are people now. And yeah. they were probably so much brighter back then than they were now. Yeah. Plus and, if you um, had a hallucinogenic cactus, that shit was wild. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You get all kinds of, get your brain going. Uh, and on one day of the year, the sun is perfectly above this stone and it doesn't have a shadow, which is cool. Cool. That's pretty cool. There's a couple of reflecting pools, which are neat. And there's another temple, which has three, um, which has three, uh, holes, windows in it. And then also on like this, one of the solstices, it, like the sun perfectly shines through the windows, which is cool. That's cool. I, li- I like stuff like that. And the, the big plaza in the middle has llamas living there now, uh, which is also really great. There's just llamas that live there and um, they're like taken care of by the people who work there, which is great. But also they don't really need that much care because they like can just eat the grass that grows in the plaza. And drink the water and yeah. Yeah. And drink the water and do everything else. They don't need, this is mostly just they're kept track of more than anything else. Um, so Machu Picchu was abandoned when the Spanish arrived in the 1530s. So we don't see much like large scale inhabitation of the site after like the 1530s. Like the artifacts pretty much stop. And the only evidence is that there's probably people like hanging out there, letting their llamas graze there, doing whatever. Um, and so Peru or the Inca Empire was conquered in 1532. Um, Francisco Pizarro and his crew had been puttering around South America in fits and starts since the early 1520s. Um, you know, this all starts with like, this all starts with, uh, Columbus showing up in 1492 and fucking everything up. Um, the Aztecs were conquered by, um, Hernan Cortez in, I want to say 1519. I don't remember. I don't. Uh, somewhere around the same time. Uh, but Pizarro left from, he was basically like stationed in Panama. And so he was trying to find El Dorado classic, um, and find like this, uh, riches and all this gold. He'd heard rumors and was, um, setting out uh, on expeditions to find this rumored land of all this gold. And so and little did he know the real El Dorado was the friends he made along the way. Exactly. And the people he conquered was a lot. <laughs> and they all became his friends. What I heard is that so the myth of El Dorado is that it is um like a golden city, but in reality where the rumors started or where the legend started is that there was um a, a native group in Ecuador <clears throat> where one of their one of their rituals is that the uh, a local leader or religious leader would coat themselves in gold dust and jump into a pool and it was like a big festival and that's what started the idea of well if there's this gold dust then it must be coming from like an entire gold city really what that i don't why do you they just wanted gold baby that seems like a big leap i love gold gold like they were a bunch of really weird superstitious nonsense people they were all like (laughs) religious extremists they just wanted gold and riches there, I mean, you've got people all over the Americas, these fucking Spanish assholes who are just following the weirdest legends because you've got Vasco da Gama up in Florida looking for the fucking fountain oh, of yeah. youth. You got this guy looking for a city of gold. You got Coronado looking for who knows what up in the fucking like New Mexico region. It's, it's bonkers, dude. The shit that these Spanish dicks are looking for. 
Um, it's like, oh, so, I heard that there's a city of gold. Yeah, that sounds great. Let's go. Let's just go. Let's just go yeah. take it and kill anyone who we see. Yeah, exactly. And so I, mean, right. I guess you can kind of imagine like you're going to this place that has all of these new animals you've never seen, all these new plants you've never seen before. Don't try like, to. I don't. You, you don't need to humanize. You're going to believe these all these weird legends <clears throat> because Marco Polo had come back from China and he was like, yeah, there's people that don't have heads, but there's a big face in their torso. And you're like, oh, wow, that's crazy. I bet that means there's a city of gold somewhere. I'm not saying I'm not justifying it. I'm just being like, yeah, I guess. I mean, if you're a bunch of Catholic idiots in the 1500s, you're going to believe whatever you hear. So they started puttering around South America looking for it in the early 1520s. And of course, this led to smallpox spreading all around South America. And it spread faster than they did. Um, So smallpox from them reached the Inca Empire before they did. Um, wow. And it killed the uh, Sapa Inca Huayna Capac in 1527 before he could name his successor, which led to a war of succession between two of his sons. Um, normally, like the Incas didn't have like a primogeniture type of succession where the firstborn son would be the one who um, like always succeeded. Instead, any male relative of the Inca would become the next Inca as long as like the Inca said, but said it before he died. So like there's a couple where like a brother would become the next Inca. And at one point, an uncle became the next Inca. Um, and so his, he hadn't, he hadn't said which of his sons or relatives would be the, uh, would be his successor. And so two of his sons ended up fighting over it. They were, um, Atahualpa and Huascar. Um, so they started this civil war that lasted for a couple of years and ended in Atahualpa winning, but with like heavy casualties. Like, and meanwhile, the smallpox is just devastating the empire. Nobody knows why everyone's getting sick. And uh, basically, this is when uh, Pizarro happens upon um, like an outpost, like an Inca outpost. Um, at this point, he had gotten. Um, an interpreter uh, a couple of years earlier from somebody who was who had he, they were up nor- more north close to Panama and he found a guy who had learned Quechua from somewhere um, and then he like uh, taught him how to speak Spanish over the course of a couple of years and this guy became their interpreter um, but he didn't like the Incas and so the theory is that he did a lot of really disingenuous uh, interpretations oh but anyway uh they got an invitation to go see Atahualpa from this like little outpost that they were at. They went to go see him at a place called Cajamarca. And um, this was basically the site of the last fight between Atahualpa and Huascar. He hadn't even had a chance to leave and go back to Cusco before he was contacted. Um, and through a combination of, you know, superior armament, um, scary fucking horses, the Incas being tired and largely unarmed uh, because they thought that they were going to be meeting somebody important. So they were like, oh, well, we'll be unarmed to show that we're not dangerous. And instead, the Spanish were like, let's be super armed to show that we're dangerous. Oh, no. And taking so taking advantage of, you know, different conceptions of warfare, Pizarro and his men managed to take Atahualpa hostage in this essentially... Sometimes it's called a Battle of Cajamarca. More accurately, it's the Massacre of Cajamarca. Um, he took him hostage. They ransomed Atahualpa for a room full of gold and two rooms full of silver. And can you guess what happened next? No. It was kind of r- rhetorical. What happened next is that they, over the, like a, the course of a little while later, they ended up getting the ransom, um, which were beautiful objects made of gold and uh, silver. And then he was like, how big of rooms you- are we talking? 
yeah, I don't know how many rooms we're talking. This is all, but um, they melted it down into ingots, of course. So it's like these gorgeous religious objects and like beautiful works of art that they didn't care about. And instead they were just like, it's gold. Let's melt it down so we can bring it back easier. Um, and then he had Atahualpa executed anyway. Um, and from there on, they took power. It's a very complicated story and I'm already over time by quite a bit, so I won't get into it. Um, but the short version is that they um, took power over the Incas and um, the, there were splinter groups that tried to um, maintain the royal lineage. Um, then over the course of the next couple hundred years, they subjugated everybody, made them adapt to European styles of life and um just kind of ruined everything for everybody and like a hundred years later the population was like five percent what it was before they showed up um during the spanish conquest machu picchu was probably used as a refuge um based on some of the like skeletal remains uh but then it was abandoned for whatever reason the spanish never found it um there's some mention of them trying to find it but they never successfully did um vilcabamba was this area that uh the last kind of hideout of the Incas was where the Tupac Amaru guy was. And so this was what, what Hiram Bingham was looking for was this Vilcabamba. Um, he didn't even know that Machu Picchu was a thing. And yeah, then we already talked about how Hiram Bingham found it and that's everything. Well, Hey, thanks for listening to our episode about Machu Picchu and pretty much all of the Inca. It, it was, it's Machu Picchu was the hat on top of the Inca cake that we just ate. Mm-hmm. Also, don't put hats on your cake unless they're edible. <laughs> or you buttercream, still can buttercream if, you're hats. Not, if you're not a coward. Oh, yeah, buttercream but. hat. Uh, thank you for listening again. So, what was everyone's favorite? Everyone, I also, I, I screamed about it earlier. My favorite thing was the mummies, the Weekend at Bernie, weekend at Bernie Mummies. That was 100% my favorite thing. So funny in my brain. That's exactly how it went down. Uh, what about you, Ash? I liked learning about all of the craftsmanship and things that I didn't know before. I mean, I, I really enjoy hearing about the construction of, of all that stuff and like how the infrastructure worked and the organization. Very interesting. I like that they didn't have any money, but they, I didn't like how they forced people to do stuff. I don't know if that was slavery or not, but yeah, I mean, I think that you can say it's a form of slavery, right? Like if you well, don't have a choice really, though, because there's like, there's no money though. Like you're not working for money. So you have to make, you have to, you have to do your dues for the well, society. Well, yeah, but they're like capturing your idols and they're dispersing people and you're basically forced to do it. They treat you okay if you do do it, but that doesn't mean you're not being forced to do it. That's true. It's like slavery I mean, with less steps. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same situation in our life where, you know, you got to pay your taxes or else the cops will come do violence to you. Yeah. So are we slaves to capitalism? Slavery? Yeah, I don't know. of course we are. 100%. <laughs> so like, it's the same. Yeah. All right, Bo, what was your favorite? I, I think oh, I know what it is. Oh, the takes you, uh, the, whatchamacallit, um, what the fuck am I trying to say? What was the saying I said before? Oh, the, the pussy. <laughs> no, it wasn't it. It was the claiming. It's like, I found his. Nope, finders keepers. And then he killed the guy who found <laughs> it. it. And then like there's drowned. people actively working there, like, what's up? And he's like, I found you. You're mine. Is it slander? Is that slander to accuse a man of murder with no evidence 120 years ago? When that man um, is Hiram Bingham, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. sexual limitations is passed <laughs> on that one. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, but wait, your favorite part was when when he he found when it he did the when he did the bad thing. Yeah, oh, yeah I, I, and was an asshole. Yeah, that's funny. I think this just means that your your favorite thing 
is that you weren't paying attention for the last 15 minutes. It's not true. <laughs> it is true. My other favorite thing was Bo's mom. I. I. Did you, oh, did you guys see that Bob Barker died? He's dead. Oh, I. Yeah, he died at 99. No, 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 no. That, he, 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 he lived long enough. Yeah. So thank you for listening. <laughs> Bob Barker. Jesus episode. Christ. I also think we need to play pay some sort of service to there's currently a wildfire around Machu Picchu, um, which is fucking shit up. And Everyone so, grab your buckets and hose and go down yeah. to Machu oh Picchu and take out the fire. Yeah. No money's going to be involved. But also don't go to Machu Picchu because too many people are going and everybody stepping on the site is kind of okay. ruining everything. Don't go there. So what do you want? But you just look at pictures. Just look at pictures. Yeah. You know what? Help, send help your mummies, away. but don't go there. They don't take money, though. You can't, you yeah. can't do that. Uh, send your mummies no, and the mummies no, you can, can they help. They take money now. Mummies. It costs like 70 bucks to go there. <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm going to end this episode now. Yeah. Do you want to go or Oh, my God. Thanks for listening, guys. preach at me. Oh new episodes every Wednesday. Hopefully, we'll not have one this long next week. <laughs> I have nothing well, somebody to say. else will be doing follow. one next week, so it'll be shorter. Follow no, us on Instagram, get dumped on pod. Follow, send us an email at get dumped on podcast at gmail.com. Other than that, we will see you next week. Hop, Talk hop, to you later. Bye. And as they say in Machu Picchu, see you later. Yep. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. That's not what they say. Ash and Zach are super smart. They went to college and learned a bunch of stuff. And Bo and Andrew didn't go to college because that's the way life goes sometimes. What happens when you put them together and you try to make them learn? Grab your friends. Let's listen together on Get Dumped on an Info Dump Podcast. <laughs> Long live Cusco. Not Bob Barker, though. He's dead. He's very dead.